When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. My pleasure to welcome you to the Clark Howard Show, where our mission is to serve and empower you so you make better financial decisions in your life. In today's episode, we all have online accounts these days. How do you protect yourself? How do you protect your accounts from being hacked? Also, I've got a lot of news about travel right now. Passports, canceled flights, rental cars, high fees. I'll talk about all of that today. So I read a commentary recently about why criminals, instead of going into a bank to rob it and facing incredibly long sentences for armed robbery of a bank, are now instead hacking into our accounts and stealing our money. And if they ever even get caught, that the consequences of getting caught are really pretty mild. So it is a real shift in the emphasis of criminals and how they're stealing money from financial accounts. And the top target is going to be obvious based on something I say. So you look at where money is in the United States. Money, only about 10% of it or so, is in banks. All the rest of it, this is individual's money, all the rest of it is in 401k accounts, IRA accounts, investment accounts, brokerage accounts, mutual funds, ETFs, whatever. So that's where the criminals are going after is the money that you have worked hard to save for your future for the present, for whatever that's in some form of investment account or retirement account. Now, listen to this. Do you know that the Congress has never passed protections for consumers on hacks of your investment accounts? So if your credit union account or bank account gets hacked and your money vanishes, The bank or credit union is legally required under law to restore your funds, unless they have some reason to think it's an inside job. But that law does not cover any of our investment or retirement accounts. And so it's where all the money really is now, and you don't have legal protection. Some of the investment houses, some of the brokerages, have put out explicit policies where in writing they tell you that they protect you from fraud in your account or hacks. But others have stayed silent or say, oh, we we evaluate on a case-by-case basis. Whenever somebody says we evaluate on a case-by-case basis, let me tell you, it's going to be a really bad day for you if somebody gets into your money. So let me tell you, regardless of what a financial institution's policies are, 
the key to you getting your money back if you get hacked is what steps were you taking before the hack took place? So there are basically three rules I want you to follow. Three rules. Rule number one, I want you to set up two-factor authentication on any retirement account, brokerage account, investment account, or mutual fund account. Now, two-factor authentication is certainly not foolproof, but it is a way to provide some protection to you that with two-factor authentication, you will receive either a text or some form of second authentication that you accessing your account is actually really you. And that is step one. Step two is something that you hear all the time, but for the most part, we don't do. And that is any investment account should have, wait for it, wait for it, a unique password. Now, we know how much we hate dealing with passwords, right? But investment accounts, you should have something because it's, I mean, think about if you've worked hard to save money. If you don't have any money in investment accounts or retirement accounts, you're like, hey, thank goodness I didn't save any money. I don't have to worry about anybody getting to it. Yeah, I don't want you thinking that way. I want you saving money and I want you to protect it. So you want to have uh, typically the current thing recommended is a phrase, whatever it is. My favorite TV show of all time was blah, 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 or anything that's a long, long phrase that you'll always remember is better than these goofy uppercase, lowercase, numbers, symbols, those passwords no one can ever remember. And you get past 10 characters on a password and it's real effort for somebody to crack it. So that's why using a long phrase is one of the things that's recommended these days. You could also use one of the password managers, which I've talked about before. Um, the third step. And so none of these things are very time consuming, right? The third step is requiring time in your life. And I once a week check my investment accounts to make sure they're a-okay. You know, I don't look how my investments are performing or anything like that. I just look to make sure they're there. I only check my returns every 90 days, four times a year. But I check to make sure everything's okay, like tucking a kid in at night. <laughs> I just tuck in my investment accounts once a week, make sure nobody's messing with them. So if you do those three steps... Let's say the two-factor authentication doesn't protect you. Let's say the unique password, that's a phrase, doesn't protect you. Or you use one of the uh, password managers that gives a unique password. Then the third thing does help. Because if you notice in hours or days that somebody has gotten into your account and you're immediately on it with the investment house, the brokerage, mutual fund company, whatever, you have a much better chance of getting your money restored, especially because you have shown what's known as due care. 
which is a legal standard that you have done things to protect your account. And the people that are having the worst difficulty are people who never get around to looking at their accounts. And then they'll get maybe an annual statement or something. And then they'll see, where's my money? What happened to my account? Or why aren't I getting statements anymore? And it turns out somebody long gone has stolen that money. And you trying to get it back long after the fact is nearly impossible. So please take this to heart. Follow these three steps and protect what you've worked hard to save and invest. Krista? Okay, Clark, Joshua in Georgia says, I recently paid off a vehicle, paid it off early, and my credit took an almost 20-point hit because of it. Why did my score get punished for paying something off in full and early? (laughs) Joshua, (laughs) this is one of the things about credit scores that... They look at the variety of credit. Now, I'm really surprised about this 20-point drop that if you just paid off a vehicle, I would expect that the 20-point drop is because of something else because the history is still there from the vehicle loan. But over time, even if it's a fluke that something else happened and it's not because of the vehicle loan, it is true that over time, you having different types of credit boost your score as you pay off different types of credit it will shrink your score but don't worry be happy as long as you have a couple of credit cards and you have very low utilization on them your credit score should still be plenty high enough i have no loans traditional loans at all no installment loans no mortgage loan no vehicle loan no personal loans, nothing. I have some credit cards. And my credit score, my FICO score that I just got from one of my credit cards was 819 on the up to 850. And so I'm in credit scoring. I'm considered to be what's known as golden. And I've done it only with credit cards. So yes, it's possible that you could Uh, at the margins, hurt your credit score with that 20-point drop by no longer having another type of credit. But you can still be really healthy with your credit without doing it the way the FICO system wants you to do, which is to have all those different types of loans in your life. Heather in Colorado says, my son has terrible seasonal allergies, which he is unable to fully control with meds. The allergist has recommended allergy shots, but he will need them for two years, and the first year he will need two shots a week. We have insurance, but it requires us to pay the $35 specialist copay each time. When I do the math, I'm floored, as it will cost about $5,000. I've been looking in vain for somewhere that will charge a flat rate. I would pay cash up front. Why isn't this an option? I paid cash up front for his braces. Why wouldn't this model also work for allergy shots? Heather, first of all, I want to tell you, once you start the allergy shots, it may not stop. Where was I this morning, Krista, before we... At the allergist. I was at the allergist getting my... I'm on monthly shots now, and I've been doing the shots since, wait for it, 1991. Mm. 
30 years, but it's made a huge difference for me. I uh, virtually never have a cold, never have allergy symptoms, so they do work. I'm just on maintenance, and every allergy practice is different. I don't pay at the practice I go to. I don't pay a visit charge, a copay. When I go, I just pay for the injection, and then when I need a new, um, do you call it a vial, whatever you call the thing, the new serum, I pay a big fee for that. So it may be that that particular allergy practice charges a uh, visit charge every time instead of just an injection charge. And so it may be worthwhile for you to check with other allergists and see what they do. Um, And, you know, your insurance may change over the years too. Your current insurance may work like it does, but it doesn't mean that any insurance you have will work that same way. Uh, I, I know you say you've been looking for somewhere that will charge a flat rate, paying cash up front, but I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about where all you're paying for is for the nurse charge for giving the injection rather than because it's not a normal office visit. It seems odd to me you'd be charged the office visit charge in addition to him getting the shot. And I hope you're able to figure a way to work this out because if your son is lucky like I am, it will make a big difference in his health and overall well-being. Harvey in New York says, I moved from Phoenix, Arizona to Amsterdam, New York. In Arizona, I was within walking distance to a Costco and received a city credit card. The nearest Costco is now about 90 miles away. I would like to cancel my membership, but Costco will cancel my credit card at the same time. What advice would you give as I hate to lose points on my FICO score of 800 at present? So first of all, how could you choose to move to a place that you're that far from a Costco. I mean, that would eliminate any place for me to live. You'd still go the 90 miles. Though. I would. Well, okay. So truth be told, I have a friend who recently moved to New Mexico. And their nearest Costco is two hours away. And they do the trip twice a month. <laughs> the two hours each way to go to Costco. It is it is a very, very important part of life, Costco. I know that sounds weird to people who aren't into Costco. Anyway, how do you handle this? Um, what you do is you want to do what I call the leapfrog or hopscotch, that you get a new card to replace that Costco card before you close the Costco visa, the city Costco visa. So there are, and we have a brand new review of 2% cash back cards on Clark.com that have no annual fee. Uh, I think one has an annual fee, but the rest don't. And you can look through and see which of those seem like they might be a good substitute for you. You'd then be getting 2% cash back on everything you do. And you would not have an annual fee because in order to keep that city card, you'd have to keep paying Costco 60 bucks a year. And I get it, since there's no Costco near you, that would be how I'd replace the Citibank Costco Visa by just getting another card that would work really well for you at no fee. 
Okay, and then Fahad in Georgia says, I would like to thank you for all the advice you give. I'd like to update you on my recent sale of a timeshare. I never knew I could get rid of my timeshare until I followed your advice and I called the timeshare company and listed it through them. They were able to sell it in 12 months in which they received half the proceeds, which I was happy with. Tell your listeners they can do the same. You cannot imagine how much I feel I am liberated and free. Fahad, I am so glad it worked for you. And I threw that out as a wild suggestion. It will not work all the time. Here's the deal. If you have a timeshare week at a development where they are still actively selling weeks, they may be willing to do a consignment sale for you where they're actively selling the weeks. They're going to sell your week at what they're selling them to everybody else. And in this case, not only did your obligation end, but you actually walked away with half the revenue that they generated. So think about it. They got to make the money from your unit twice. And so that's the incentive when a timeshare is still being actively marketed, still sold. But again, that's the only circumstance that works and not all the timeshare sellers are willing to do it, but it's a great thing to try. And speaking of travel, I'm talking about some not-so-great stuff happening to those of us who love seeing the world next. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. So people are getting back to travel big time. I've flown since um, the pandemic was winding down oh, 15 or more times. And the first few flights I took, there were very few people on the airplanes. Um, I'd say they started getting to where they were about third to half full. And it was really something I was getting spoiled by having my own row on airplanes and things like that. And I've been flying virtually every week recently, or I guess about every week, and Pretty much every single flight I'm on is 100% full. The security lines at airports are back. And I just want you to know right now, buying travel for the rest of summer has gotten pretty pricey. And if you have flexibility in your life, as people are who were pent up, love travel, couldn't do it, are now all rushing out there and doing it, particularly people who have kids, we're trying to get it done before the kids go back to school. Krista, you have discovered firsthand how unbelievably expensive it could be trying to do a trip before your kids go back to school. Are you paying 
for airfare four times what you thought you would? Five times? Um, Probably about three times as much as I thought I would. See, for what sure. an exaggerator you I are. am. You're just trying to get the number out of me. I know you. No, but it, three times <laughs> yes. is probably what you are. Yeah. And then the accommodations are more than you expected, too. No, aren't they? they're pretty good. Oh, they're okay. We're just, you know, we're staying in big places to accommodate the teenagers. So. Okay. So this is a reality right now of people who love to travel, didn't do so for a year or more, and they're trying to rush this in. But once Labor Day is over, that's when the deals are coming back. And I've seen now that Europe, piece by piece is opening back up. I'm seeing on those various alert services I subscribe to fares to Europe that have come way back down from what they were being quoted. And you're going to be able to find good deals. Asia, I'm seeing nothing. Asia is pretty much still closed to us. And I'm seeing nothing for that. The Caribbean, the fall is off season. So if you're looking at going fun in the sun, you're going to find deals after Labor Day through mid-December, except around Thanksgiving. And so the calendar is either your friend or your enemy with travel right now. Uh, There are other things going on, though, and that is the airlines got early retirements from so many people. You know, airlines offered special incentives during the height of the pandemic when air travel fell to like, what, 4% of normal or something, and airlines were bleeding these massive amounts of money per day. That is until you and I as generous souls, taxpayers, gave the airlines $50 billion plus dollars in bailout money. Nobody asked me, by the way, (laughs) they should do that. Anyway, so the airlines got uh, a lot of senior employees to take early retirement, And now they're all short of workers. And so flights are being canceled because there's not crew available for them. And I told you earlier this year about what's known as prospective scheduling, kind of like speculative scheduling where airlines were posting flights without any crew to fly them. So really key is before you're going somewhere that involves air travel, you want to make sure that you have checked to see if any changes have happened with your flight. You don't want to find out at the last minute because then your nonstop could have become a two-stop with a plane change or two and that kind of thing. So you want to stay on top of that. Uh, You may have heard me before with car rentals. The car rental fleets uh, were sold off last year in the teeth of the pandemic so the car rental companies could try to survive. Now they don't have enough cars. So if a trip involves driving... You want to check up front to see what cars are going to cost before you book anything else. And if you need a passport uh, renewed or you need one, know that the U.S. passport office is really messed up right now and they blame it on the pandemic. Who knows? Passports have been slowing down. The generation of passports have been slowing down for years. But right now, what used to take five days for a rush passport is taking two months. A regular passport's taking four and a half months that's not rushed. So you want to check before you book that international travel to see if you're really going to be able to go because you will be in possession of a passport. But as far as getting away at a deal, 
September is the start of friendly times for your wallet. All right, Clark, I have some travel questions. The first one's from Mark in Iowa. I'm planning a trip to Atlanta in August, and I've heard of drivers reserving rental cars, and then on arrival, the rental car company's not having the rental available. Is this a legitimate concern, and if so, should I make a second reservation as a backup? What would my obligation be with the second reservation? Cancellation or just no-show the reservation not used? So, Mark, uh, people are doing exactly what you're doing because that is going on, that people are showing up, and there's no car available. So it's making it even harder for car rental agencies to gauge demand. Uh, but imagine getting to a place like Atlanta where not having a vehicle makes your vacation a non-starter. I think booking a backup car rental is a good strategy for you, but if everybody did it, it would make the whole issue of trying to figure out actual demand even harder for the car rental agencies. The shortages of the cars will be resolved by the next peak travel season, but August is going to be really tough on the car rental front. The alternative, Mark, though, is look at Turo and its competitors where you rent some individual's car. It may be a much cheaper way, and you're going to know that car is actually there for you when you arrive in Atlanta. Mark in Massachusetts wrote in, back in February, my family snagged a great deal on flights and hotel in Turks and Caicos for August. Both are cancelable up to 24 hours before the trip. Turks and Caicos requires proof of medical travel insurance to cover all potential costs of COVID and air evacuation and repatriation. A quick look online brought back a wide range of possibilities, as low as $48 for the whole family to well over $200 if I want trip cancellation and replacement insurance. What is your advice for what I should actually purchase? And with so many options, how do I know which travel insurance companies are actually legitimate? Great question, Mark. And even legitimate travel insurance companies, sometimes it's hard to get them to honor the policy you bought. But if you start your search at insuremytrip.com, insuremytrip, make sure that anybody who they're doing comparison for is legitimate, actual real insurance products that are licensed in your state and you can comparison shop premiums company to company i feel safest buying insurance through the referrals on insuremytrip.com and i hope that you have an absolutely great time in the turks and caicos it is the most beautiful water you'll see just about anywhere you'll ever go Kevin in Tennessee says, I know there are last-minute cruises. Where can I find these opportunities? So if you go on cruisecompete.com, cruisecritic.com, vacationstogo.com, those are three good sites to go to. I really like Cruise Critic as a site. They publish a list of last-minute deals, and this is really Uh, an odd time in the cruise industry because a lot of the ships are sailing with limited capacity right now so we're not going to have the last minute or what seem like last minute dumps of deals on cruises for a while but try those sites and you're most likely going to be able to find the bargains the wounded duck cruises that just don't have enough people booked I, I should give a tip on this A lot of the ones that are deals right now 
are cruises out of Europe that don't have enough people booking on them that have a big American clientele. And you may find some of your best last-minute bargains on cruises out of European ports. Speaking of Europe, this is from John in California. What are the best European vacation packages? My brother and I are planning our first trip abroad around the end of September. John, I'm going to frustrate you so much. I don't want you to buy a package for Europe. Um, Europe is a different kind of animal in terms of travel. And you'll find that you're going to be better suited going on your own. It's really easy for you to put together a trip to Europe where uh, it's with your first trip, don't try to go too many places. You can get around Europe really easily by train with more hassle but cheaper, by airplanes within Europe on the deep discounters in Europe like Ryanair and EasyJet and Wizz Air. There really is a big airline called Wiz, W-I-Z-Z Air. And in big European cities, it's really easy. Booking hotels in advance online at really good prices. I love using Priceline for hotel deals in big European cities. And you will be fine with the research you do on an individual destination and will not need a package, even with it being your first trip and i want to thank you for joining us did you know that we have several free newsletters including a weekly podcast newsletter you can sign up at clark.com newsletter